Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. Balance is everything. Greek philosophers thought of it as the key to happiness, the golden mean, they called it, the happy medium between extremes. And when you're out of balance, emotionally or physically, things can go wrong real fast. In the context of health, we often think of a balance as a problem that primarily affects older patients, but there are a wide variety of illnesses and conditions that could quite literally knock you off balance. And our sense of balance is created by delicate, complicated systems. And so it takes a very specialized approach to treat. Physical Therapy and Balance Center, located here in Lafayette, is a doctor-owned clinic set up specifically to treat vestibular disorders, the range of conditions like vertigo that impact human balance. By the way, physical is spelled F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L. My guest, Janae Leger, is physical's physician liaison. Her job is to connect the center's services with doctors and other providers in the Lafayette area. And she came to the company with a background in medical sales. Physical itself is a franchise with several hundred locations across the country. The Lafayette location opened in 2018 and is owned by a group of ear, nose, and throat doctors, otolaryngologists, if you're into proper names. The centers offer uh, the kind of specialized balance treatment you might find in a hospital setting. It can also offer adjacent services like an on-site audiologist. Vestibular disorders commonly affect military veterans. Janae works with local veterans groups to do outreach and education about those disorders and how to treat them. Janae grew up in Franklin and is also the author of a children's book, I Know Just What I Want to Be. Janae Leger, welcome to Out to Lunch. When my guest uh, George Mills was in Texas, you might say his life got out of balance. He landed there to go to rehab and stuck around. The program didn't take and he went through another. He's been clean since 1994 and the journey brought him to a career in behavioral health. And for 25 years he worked for the treatment program that helped him and he left that role to become the executive director of the Extra Mile, a nonprofit organization that fills gaps in behavioral health left by government services. Extra Mile primarily offers programs for families with an emphasis on support for families dealing with addiction, trauma, and severe mental illness. Its free clothes shop distributes $48,000 worth of donated clothes each quarter. The Avec les Enfants program provides space for non-custodial parents to visit their kids. Meredith's Place is a residential addiction treatment center for pregnant women or women with dependent children, and the list goes on and on. George grew up in Michigan and has served as executive director of the Extra Mile since 2020. George Mills, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. So, Janae, um, my first thought is, so physical is actually owned by a group of doctors, and so your job is to cultivate referrals from other doctors. And so my question is, is are you often trying to sell a service that physicians might have a preferred referral or, or when you're going into their office, is this the kind of thing that like they've never really encountered this before? Are you teaching them something new in other words? So dizziness doesn't mean that the patient will go specifically with a ENT or mm-hmm. to an ENT. Um, they'll go to other specialists such as um, a family practitioner, uh, even a cardiologist, mm-hmm. neurologist. Um, and within those, the we like to ask the doctors, you know, how would you, uh, whenever your patient describes their dizziness, mm-hmm. what or what is your protocol? Um, and a lot of them will either, you know, seek out medication or they may send them to a physical therapy 
um, clinic. Mm -hmm. So that's when I just kind of give the doctor options that they can, you know, maybe look further into. Mm -hmm. So at our clinic, because we are so specialized in the vestibular disorders and balance and through our techniques and the equipment that we have, it just allows the doctor to maybe exhaust their options and send them over. Okay, cool. Um, so it's speaking of specializations, right? So George, the extra miles specialty, at least from its founding, right, was to kind of fill in these gaps in, in you know, the public health space, I guess, would be one way of calling it. But, Correct. You know, <clears throat> over the, something that's sort of changed in that world, mm-hmm. right, in the last five or six years is Louisiana has embarked a big Medicaid expansion. I mean, so has that changed the size of those gaps that you need to fill? I mean, I guess somebody would say, like, well, the social safety net got a bit bigger. I mean, how, how does that impact an organization and the kind of services you need to offer? Well, actually, we started transforming into the organization we are today a long time ago. Yeah. It was originally founded in 1991, as you said, to fill in gaps yeah. it, it, for things that the state government and government couldn't do. Uh from there, we started providing more services for the Department of Children and Family Services, yep. filling those gaps, Office of Behavioral Health, KDN Human Services District, the courts, and it just kept growing. We continue to identify and fill those gaps, thus the program for pregnant women and women with dependent children. Mm-hmm. That is something that was sorely lacking in this region. The state had been looking for someone to do it for the last 20 years. Um, and that's the first program of its kind that's been opened in the last 15 years statewide. Mm-hmm. We also rolled out the My Community Cares initiative with DCFS, which is taken from a reactive point to more of a prevention point mm-hmm. um, within the zip codes that we serve. They identified zip codes where your mo- most cases of child removals and most open cases were happening. Yeah. And they, we started doing prevention in those two zip codes here locally. So, so is it... That sort of these state agencies are kind of planting a flag and saying, like, we need help with this. And so an, an organization like yours says, okay, we can assist with that public policy priority. Or, or is it more that as an organization you identify the problem and say, like, hey, we're going to do this, and you knock on the door at DCFS and say, hey, DCFS, you've got a problem with X. We can help you with Y. Well, it's both. One of the things that I have experienced doing and we've been doing for for a long time is identifying needs, figuring out a way to help with those needs and then making it sustainable. Now that can be done a lot of ways. It can either be done through government, it can be done through private funding, it could be developing things that have revenue sources attached to them. But the whole purpose is to help a need that is occurring in this region, this area. And we do things statewide, all our trainings we do statewide, our home builders program we do not only here but all the way over the state line Mm -hmm. because there was no one able to provide those services in Imperial Calcasieu Human Services District. So that is a lot of what we do is not only doing what the state asks us to do or the district asks us to do, but what we see and uncover is a great need that's not being met. So, Janae, I mean, something that that I mentioned sort of at the top of this was that, you know, a lot of folks might think of vertigo or sort of balance-related elements, something that would primarily affect, like, the the elderly population, right? But but you guys do some work with vets, right? I mean, so talk to me first. I mean, why is this so common with with vets? I mean, particularly vestibular disorders, and what kind of work are you all doing with them? So we have uh, an audiologist on site, and she does our... 
um, diagnostic testing with a VNG, mm -hmm. and she also does custom hearing aids. Well, the veterans that have may have gone through, um, you know, to Iraq or overseas, mm -hmm. it's combat-related um, things that they go through when they come back. Maybe some hearing loss, yeah. uh, a little bit of you know, vestibular disorders that they do have. So our audiologist, Dr. Ashley Mejia, will be able to conduct some of the diagnostic testing to see if it may be um, benign, proximal, positional vertigo, we say BPPV, yeah. um, or Meniere's disease, as well as she will provide a lot of the custom hearing aids for them. So is it in a lot of cases where they're, say, maybe presenting with, hey, you know, I've kind of have some problems with my hearing and so I need to get my ears checked and then they sort of discover that they might have a balance issue or is it the opposite? I mean, I guess I'm always sort of curious about like, in my life I've never had a, you know, uh, I guess I don't think I've had a vestibular <laughs> disorder, but uh, you know, I mean, people can, dizziness can be a very vague feeling, right? And I feel like sort of dizzy, I don't know what's wrong with me. And so I'm, I'm sort of curious about like that process for a person going from, I feel like something's wrong with me to identifying it maybe as one of these um, conditions that you just described. Correct. So dizziness is such a broad term. So a lot of people will associate with dizziness as just vertigo. Yeah. Diz dizziness can also be behavioral. It can be, you know, afraid of falling. It'd be uh, disequilibrium. Yeah. Um, different things of those is why um, we have a lot of our, you know, whether it's the VA mm -hmm. or whether it's some of the physicians that will have us do either a diagnostic testing to mm -hmm. see what their, you know, their main diagnosis would be or mm -hmm. to do a um, physical therapy evaluation. Yeah. So, so, I mean, in other words, like, you know, you're, you're dealing with folks that may sort of present with kind of like this vague bit, but they're naturally coming from places that might indicate that, yeah, dizziness would be the problem here, so you guys would be the specialty center that they need to go to to get treatment. Is right. that kind of how it goes? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Got it, got it. So, I mean, George, I'm curious, just given the kind of populations that you're working with generally, I mean, like, are, are, I often hear of a lack of um, available or readily accessible services in behavioral health generally, but but specifically with, with vets. I mean, is that something that you guys work on at all? Well, we, we have veterans come to us, but we're not specifically a program designed for vets. Yep. I mean, we train a lot of vets with our peer support services because we're the only recognized training by OBH in the state for training peer support specialists. Yep. Um, we all also have vets access other services, our drop-in center for people with mental health issues yeah. that come for socialization and education. There's other classes we teach, but we don't have a specific quote vet program that's specifically designed only for veterans. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about the peer support programs. My understanding is it's kind of almost like operating like a sponsor, like an AA type of thing. I mean, what? Tell me, like, who, who is a peer support? What do you do in that kind of environment if you're the only agency that's sort of training people to do that? Well, we have the contract with the Office of Behavioral Health to do that. We train all the peer support specialists, adult peer support specialists, that have to have at least a year year's worth of recovery. They have to have a lived experience, either whether it's addiction or mental health. Yeah. And they're trained as a parallel component component to treatment services. You have your clinical track, you have your medical track, and then the peer support, which is assisting people with their recovery to tag on. So we do that training, we do the supervisor training. We're in the process of developing a family peer curriculum that'll be part of the emergency response team for individuals going out into the homes or responding to that 
that if it has to do with an adolescent or a child, there'll be a family peer support specialist that'll be going out with them too. So, no, no, please. So, yeah. so all these are vital components. Um, there also is some peer support training being done in the Department of Corrections right now. So these are things that have been done as best practices. SAMHSA, which is the federal agency, is really pushing this. The new community, certified community behavioral health clinics that are going to be going in have a mandated peer support component to them. So it, it, it's a big thing that's happening. So, I mean, an even simpler question here. I mean, if I uh, do peer support, what do I do? I mean, we t talk to me like the specific action that a person who does peer support if, actually does. If you are a current peer support specialist, you would be working with individuals that are in recovery, that are trying to get in recovery or starting in recovery, and you're helping them from someone who's been there, done that, assisting them going through it but you're not doing it as a clinical model or a medical model where you're telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. You're assisting them with what they want to do. It's their recovery. It's not like the doctor says, you take this pill for two weeks, two times a day, and you're done. Or the clinician that says, you know, these are the things we're gonna work with you in your treatment plan. This is totally driven by the individuals and what they want with their recovery, and these are people that assist them with that. They are trained to assist them with that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Talking to Extra Mile Executive Director George Mills and Janae Leger, a physician liaison for the Physical Dizziness and Fall Prevention Centers. We'll be right back after this short break. Support for Out to Lunch at Katiana comes from Adita Corporate Staffing, Basics Swim and Gym, and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Camellia Productions Marketing Consulting, Corette Leadership Lab, Communication and Conflict Resolution, Feigley Communications, Full Service Marketing, Gamble PR, HR NOLA, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Lolo's Youth Yoga and Art Studio, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, available in select grocery stores, New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th, Noki, New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute, Rev Realtors, The Idea Village, the Scout Guide Baton Rouge, and the Scout Guide New Orleans. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Talking to Extra Mile Executive Director George Mills and Janae Leger, a physician liaison for the Physical Dizziness and Fall Prevention Centers. Janae, I would have to imagine, right, so, you know, you guys have a very highly specialized program, right, um, that deals with sort of this thing. I mean, is it difficult to find people to actually do the physical therapy. I mean, I know it's owned by doctors, but I mean, but is it correct? Am I correct in 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 saying that it's not necessarily physicians who were doing the clinical work within the facility? So, like, how do people get trained to work? I guess in a physical balance and therapy center. Like, who who do you find? I mean, is it PTs? I mean, where do you go to find your workforce? I guess is my question. So all of our therapists are balance specialists. Okay. So yes, they do have to have a specific training outside of their physical therapy schooling. Yeah. Um, and that is provided by physical itself. Oh, so you guys do the, the training on site, so to speak. But do you have to have like a PT certificate? I mean, I'm not even sure what the degree so, would be. Yeah, so um, we have two physical therapists, um, Dr. Nathan Macaluso and Dr. Casey Macaluso, husband and wife, Okay. <laughs> working cool. as a team. Yeah. Um, so after they um, graduated from physical therapy, working at um, physical, you 
you are trained. There's different levels of training that they do provide yeah. for us to be able to have those specific techniques. So is it is the training proprietary? I mean, is it the kind of thing that like there's a secret sauce to the way that physical does its you know, um, it's balanced therapy, or, or are these sort of just generalized best practices and you just sort of happen to learn it within physical as an employee? Right, yeah. so, so each exercise is custom made per patient. Okay. And the techniques that we have are different from all the other physical therapy techniques. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what makes us a little bit more unique. Okay, so yeah, it, it struck me as a little interesting that like this was a franchised program. Because I mean, like it obviously is. it would yeah. be common for there to be like physical therapy outfits. I've interviewed folks who, who run physical therapy businesses, but you don't often hear of, of a franchise doing right. that. So, so I mean, I mean to, to the extent you can, I mean, Talk to me a little bit about what, like, how the franchise works. So, like, if I'm a client here, you know, and I were to show up to another physical location somewhere else in the country, I mean, what would be the thing that would make them similar, if that makes sense? Or, like, most right. people think of franchises, they think of fast food. I'm going to eat, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that's the quality of the work, to be clear. I just mean, like, there's, there, there's right. a brand, an idea, a concept. If I eat it here, I'm going to have the same version of that in another part of the country. So, right. so what's the thing that sort of makes it, you know, Franchisable, I guess, is the best question I can right. ask. Right. So physical actually started in um, Sarasota, Florida. Okay. It started back in 2015, and then by 2017, it branched off to now we have around almost 600 across the U.S. Wow. So each uh, physical does have its the same techniques that we do use. So. Yep. Some of the physicals may specialize more in, you know, orthopedic rehab. Mm -hmm. um, the main um, equipment that we do all have together would be the harness. So okay. that's really what differentiates us from every other physical therapy clinic. Gotcha. So, so George, Extra Mile, they're, they're, you know, I think the original name of the organization is the Extra Mile Region 4. So are there Extra Miles set up in each... DL, because I think that sounds like the LDH programming, right? Where you have like LDH, I think, has what, eight or nine, you know, regional there, offices. There's ten, ten uh, right? local governing entities. So, so is there an extra mile, at, uh, um, you know, related to each LDH region? Or are we the only one, us being the Acadiana region, to have? No, there's them? actually, there were more of them originally set up, but as areas evolved and, and different things happened with the local governing entities or the LGEs, yeah. Katiana Human Services this year. Some of them, they started pulling those dollars in and using those internally, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. The, we are the largest extra mile here. There's also one operating in the Pineville, Alexandria, Region 6. Wow. They do some similar services, but very different. And then there's still a charter uh, down in Jefferson, because these were created legislatively hmm. at the time they did that. But that's what it is. But again, we do services statewide in a lot of areas. But then we also, the main focus of our in-person services are done within this region, the Acadiana region. So, so just make, making sure I get this right. So, so it's a nonprofit organization, yes. but it was chartered hmm. by legislation. Well, it was created through that because they did that because, again, yeah. it was to fill in some of those gaps, like to get volunteers, to be fiscal management at times. Like we're the fiscal agent for the local uh, RAC. Okay. Um, it, it, so there's components that still exist as far as the volunteer components and some of the fiduciary components that still exist, but those are very small compared to what we actually do now. So, I mean, I think 
people would hear gaps and they would generally assume you're doing things that government can't fund or maybe won't fund depending on you know your your views on those sorts of things but it sounds like you're you're set up to actually do services that they can't perform i mean it's not just about what funding is available or resources available but like the structure of your organization allows you to do it in a way that a government agency couldn't am i am i getting that right well, th there's a lot of truth to that and remember there was a lot of privatization that occurred yeah uh back during the general administration where they the, the state provided a lot of those services but some of the services we were providing were never provided by the state or by the districts they determined that outside agencies would be better equipped to be able to do those services so that's why we do those services i understand so so janae they kind of poses a, a question in my mind, which is, you know, we, we've talked a lot and focused on sort of the, the dizziness side of the business, let's say. Um, I mean, but people would probably hear physical therapy. I mean, could I get more conventional physical therapy from physical? Do you guys provide yes. services outside of that? Of course, of course. Like I said before, we are not just a traditional physical therapy clinic, but we do still provide physical therapy as if, you know, orthopedic rehab, if someone um, you know, fell or broke any joint, you know, broke any joints, anything like that. So we still, um, and podiatry. Mm -hmm. So anyone with maybe drop foot, um, we still see, you know, a lot of our orthopedic rehab patients. Have you found, I mean, because you had a background in, in medical sales, right? And I think your medical sales are generally thinking like products, like yes. things, right? I yes. mean, whether that's pharmaceuticals or surgical items or whatever it is. I mean, has it felt different to you as sort of, you're still kind of in sales here, right? I mean, to sell essentially a service or an idea as right. opposed to selling a thing, right? Right, absolutely. So before I did have a lot of experience with orthopedic um, rehab equipment that I did sell. Yeah. I did sell some surgical devices as well, but this, I really am more involved into the community, which I really love. I'm involved in um, One Acadiana. Yeah. So I get to spread the word more so than trying to sell a specific device. Mm -hmm. So it's really, um, marketing is really nice on that aspect because I'm able to um, not just seek out physicians, mm -hmm. but I'm able to speak amongst others to be able to help um, you know, maybe talk to other potential people who do struggle with any vestibular disorders or any vertigo, any dizziness. Mm -hmm. um, George, I mean, before we wrap up here, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if I wanted to become, you know, a peer support specialist, right? I mean, you might be some people out here listening who've gone through any of these things and feel like they, they would, how would mm -hmm. I actually mm -hmm. do that? You'd go to our website, you would scroll down on the page to there are boxes for all the different services we do. You click on the peer support box. You would go down to the second application, which is for a peer support specialist. Fill out the application. Include with that application uh, proof that you have at least a GED or a high school diploma. And answer all the questions completely. Uh, we get a lot of them that leave out things like recovery dates and that. So fill all that out. That application would then be scored by a team, uh, and if your application and you fit all the criteria, you'd be invited into a training. Right. The trainings for peer support specialists are seven days, they're over two weeks, four days one week, three days the other week, and it's pretty intensive training. Right. I'm happy always to learn about new ways that folks can get help in Acadiana. George and Janae, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you.
My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Janae Leger, a physician liaison at Physical Therapy and Balance Center, and George Mills, executive director of the Extra Mile. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation. Find out more about physical and the Extra Mile by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find it, subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Lily Morgan. You can find more of Lily's photos on Instagram at l.lily.l. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis, and today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of the current Lafayette's nonprofit newsroom. And to get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll see you next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadia. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Passion Lily, Fair Trade Fashion, 831 Charter Street, or PassionLily.com. And by Mind Coach, professional coaching for the professional brain. More information at mind-coach.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.